Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So good to see you this morning. We're glad you're here. If you're watching online, we're thankful that you're with us. Uh, I tell you what, whether you're here or there, one day we'll all be in the air, hopefully, right? This month we've been doing a series called Showing Up, and uh, sometimes it's difficult to show up. Uh, We've talked about showing up for service, not just this service. How many of you know it's increasingly harder to get people to just show up for service? And not just church service, but serving your family, serving your husband, serving your wife, serving your children, serving your community, serving your job. So we all should be in service, right? And then we show up in prayer. We show up in fasting. We, we uh, dedicate our life to just show up in certain things. This morning, we're going to take another turn on that. We're going to talk about showing up in stewardship. How many of you know the Bible talks about 20 times this concept of stewardship? And we need to get that down and to really get a definition of it. A steward is someone who manages someone else's uh, property, business, money, household, lands. So uh, we're all stewards, whether you realize you're a steward or not. Stand with me. And we're going to read out of Matthew chapter 25 today, and we've been praying and fasting this week, and hopefully you've joined with us. And I'll tell you what, on Thursday night, we had a prayer meeting here, and it was very powerful. We had a lot of people show up around this altar for an hour, praying, seeking God, hearing from God. And I believe this, and I want you to join your belief with me. I believe someone's life today is going to be radically changed. I've been, I've been sensing that for about two or three days. And you're saying, well, I don't know. You're, you're preaching on this. I believe somebody's life today is going to be radically changed. And, and Lord, let it be me, right? Matthew chapter 25, a story that Jesus is telling, a parable, if you will. Verse 14, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us today. Let your word come alive in our ears, our hearts, and in my mouth. And God, let us hear your amazing word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Turn to your neighbors. I'm glad you're here today. Well, turn to him and said, you're better looking than our first thought this morning. How many of you will take a compliment any way you can get it? About 30 years ago, we were having one of our first uh, pie and cake auctions for ministry. We were in the other uh, facility. We were in the little fellowship uh, hall. Many of you were there when this happened. And so there was a young man there by the name of Zach Michael. And Zach's parents are here today, and Zach only about six or seven years old, and Kenneth Case was the auctioneer. 
And Kenneth was auctioning off those pies and those cakes for mission. And listen, we support missions all around the world, and you should get on board with that. And, and so we were raising money, and that little boy started bidding back there. And he, he's buying cakes, and he's buying pies. And, and, you know, when there was an inordinate amount of, of, of pies and cakes uh, bought by a six- or seven-year-old, Kenneth just shut down the auction. And he said, Zach, do you have the money to pay for all that? He said, no, sir. He said, but my daddy does. How many of you know you got a father that can pay for some of the things in your life? Now, that being said, we're not going to get into a bunch of freebies or you're entitled to something. But there is a treasure trove of things we take from this passage. If you have a pencil and paper, I'd love for you to take it out because here is some information that you desperately need. Number one, this is what the kingdom of like, uh, the kingdom of heaven is like. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. How many of you believe with me Jesus should know what the kingdom of heaven is like? He's the one telling the story. So this is the modus operandi. This is how the kingdom operates. How many of you know you are in the kingdom of God? Jesus is saying, this is how this kingdom works. Number two, the man who's traveling to the far country, that's Jesus. He's going to leave. He's going to be gone for a long time. How do you know? He's been gone about 2,000 years. So he's traveling to the far country. The servants are us. Look at your neighbor. That's you. The servants are us. Number four, the goods he delivered to these servants are his. They're not the servants' goods. They're his goods. And the fifth thing here is one day he's going to come back to see what we've done with what he's given us. Now, that's pretty amazing to me, and there's a lot of gravity into that. Can I hear an amen? So the talents here are not just gifts, singing, playing, you're a good speaker, whatever. This is money, and let me just tell you, I know that for a fact So in the days that Jesus is giving this parable, this story, a talent is a certain weight of money. Old Testament, somewhere around 75 pounds. New Testament, somewhere around 100. But if it's gold, most scholars believe it was 200 pounds. How many of you today would like to have a 200-pound chunk of gold? The rest of you are lying to me. So certainly, we, we, we can identify with this story. Now, when Jesus gives this parable, this story, let me tell you, some eyes really opened. The eyebrows went up because what he's saying is very amazing. And when I tell you this, I think you'll catch it. So if it was silver or gold, so one talent of silver today, so let's, let's put it in today's value, is worth about $36,800. So $36,800. So if it would have been gold, today's price would be $2,880,000. If it was a talent of 200 pounds, it would be $5,760,000. So five talents worth would be, at today's price, is $28,800,000. Uh, two talents, $11,520,000. One talent, $5,760,000. Boom, that's a lot of money. I don't care who you are, that's a lot of money. So the gravity, the, the excitement factor of this story among these people had to be tremendous. So if we calculated this in wages, and we 
equated one denarii to one day's wages, and that's what it was. So let's, let's equal a, a dollar to a denarii, denarius. So that's what they got paid one day. So one silver talent paid that guy for 122 years of work. And, and one gold talent paid them for 9,600 years for work. How, how would you like to get 9,600 years of paychecks all at once? It's a good day in the neighborhood, right? But this is the story. And so why do we think this calculation is money? Verse 18, but he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's what? Money. So the one who received five gained five, one who received two gained two. And notice what was said to the two servants who increased what they had. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord, of your Lord. So how many of you, when, when you die and you meet Jesus, you want him to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant? Yeah, I do. And this is really the only time this really appears like this. So he said, well done, good and faithful servant. But what about the guy who received the one talent? Verse 26, but his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, gather where I have not scattered seed. You ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Verse 29, for to everyone who has more will be given. He will have abundance, but from him who does not have even what he has will be taken away. So the guy who has 10 now has 11. So now he's increased even the more of the double of the five. So the question I have this morning, and I never taught this before this way, but as I studied and I prayed, I believe the Holy Spirit gives you insight to passages. How many of you believe that? So question I had, why do we have the failure of the one guy who received the one talent? I'm glad you asked me because I'm gonna tell you. Here's number one. The first thing the Lord says here in verse 25 is fear. This guy was afraid. How many of you know the opposite of faith is fear? So we have to operate in faith here. So he says, I was fearful. Number two, he's wicked. Now, he would not say he's wicked, but his Lord said you're wicked. Verse 26, he, he said, uh, you're a wicked servant. So when I trace this back, it's more than just be wicked in our, our, you know, our mind. It's unethical. So you, you can't do business well if you're what? Unethical. But if you trace the meaning of that word back, it also means he has a mindset of poverty. Listen, if you stay in a mindset of poverty, you will always be poor. There's a lot of people who have a mindset of poverty. They produce generation after generation after generation of people who have a mindset of poverty. So if they're not industrious, then someone else has to take up that mantle to help them through life. So he says, number one, you're fearful. Number two, you are wicked and unethical. Number three, verse 26, you're just lazy. Let me tell you the, the word interpretation that means in the Greek. You're lazy. Does anybody watch the news? I try to. I get mad, talk back to the TV. I know you never do that, but I do. 
And so today, we, we can't find enough workers for restaurants. We, we cannot find enough workers for factories. We cannot find enough workers for industry or retail. Carrie and I went to a restaurant on Friday night. It was horrible. Uh, number one, our little waitress could not care less if she waited on us, did not get anything right. The manager comes and apologizes. Well, you know, I'll get your baked potato and the rest of your food out later. I said, hey, just put it in a container. I'll take it home. I wasn't upset, I, I tipped the little girl, God bless her. But let me tell you, we, we live in a generation, we live in a world today, people are just lazy. If that offends you, I'm sorry, you're wrong, I'm right, but I'm just telling you. This is what the passage says, you're fearful, you're wicked, you're lazy. Number four, you have no initiative. You say, I didn't read that in the passage. I didn't either till the other day. Look at verse 27. The least you could have done. The least you could have done is put it in the bank and get interest. I would have got my money back with just a little bit of interest. That is what the least you could have done, and you didn't even do that. There are three fundamentals about Stewardship, let me share those with you very quickly. Number one, God owns everything. God owns everything. Psalm 24, verse one, the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, fullness thereof, the world and all who live in it. Job 41, 11, God is speaking, everything under the heaven belongs to me. Psalm 50, 10, for every beast of the forest is mine and I own the cattle on a thousand hills and I don't even know he owns the hills the cattle are on. So the Lord said, if I had need of anything, I wouldn't ask you because I what? I already own everything. I mean, everything that we have, I mean, you do know is the Lord's. And sometimes, and uh, look at your neighbor and say, he's fixing to get on your toes right now. Sometimes we act like a bunch of spoiled teenagers. Now, Now, let me just prove my point here because I've raised boys and, and, and so... <laughs> My boys, when I got to be 16, well, Dad, you know, I'd really like to have a really nice car. Has any of your kids ever said that to you? And I said, I understand that, son. I said, look out there in the driveway. You see that old red blazer out there that your mama's driving that has 100,000 miles on it? That's what you're going to be driving to school. I'm going to get her something else. You can have the old red blazer. Well, Dad, that's really not what I wanted. Hello? Hello? So, Matt, now he gets 16 years old. You know, Dad, I'd like to really have a nice truck to drive to school. Matt, you see that old white Dodge pickup that we're using for a farm truck that looks like it's rolled off Pike's Peak? Yes, sir. That's what you're going to be driving to school. Now, when you go to college, I'll get you something better because I don't want to be up there working on it all the time. But... You know, sometimes we, we, we kind of act like we own everything, don't we? You, you know, uh, I ha- had my kids here at my house this weekend, Matt and, and Stephanie, and little Hartley came in on Saturday morning, and Aaron and Natalie and the other two grandkids, Ian and, and Riley came in on Friday, and, you know, they come in the house, and they just start opening the refrigerator and going through things. That's the way I like it. I mean, that, that's, that's home, and, and that's okay, but how many of you know, that ain't their house? 
That's not their refrigerator. That's not their food. But that's okay. And, and sometimes we just act like we own everything. But family, that, that's what it is. You know, my mother, before she passed away, she has some dementia. And the dad was in the early service this morning. I told this story, and he's actually the one that told it to me. But one day they went over to check on mom and dad. And, you know, I'm the oldest son, so I kind of rap on the door and open the door. And they hardly ever lock their door. I go in, find them, say hello. And I do the same thing, go to the refrigerator, open it. How many of you, when you get older, you just keep doing what you always did? Come on now, help me. And so, you know, I visited with them for a while, and, and I left. And so Dad told me later, he said, let me tell you what your mama did. And said, your mama, when you left, said, uh, you know, that preacher just made himself at home when he came into our house. <laughs> she remembered me as her pastor, but she couldn't remember me as her son. And Dad said, you know, Mike, if you, if you don't laugh about it, you'll cry about it. And then Steve was over one day, he left, and Mama said, who was that? And Dad said, that was your youngest son, Steve. And she turned to Dad and said, you didn't tell me you had kids when we got married. So. <laughs> <laughs> laugh about it or you'll cry about it. But God owns everything, right? But, but here's the good news. He entrusts us and allows us to use everything. He owns it, but he says, here it is. You can use this. I mean, this is yours to use. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth to establish his covenant with you. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty or to trust in uncertain riches, but to trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. That's good. Psalm 115, verse 16, the highest heavens belong to God, but the earth he has given to mankind. How many of you know God's given you a lot of good things to use? The earth and the fullness thereof is the Lord's, but he says, okay, children, use what I've given you. You, you see, the, the house that you live in was built from the things that came from his earth. The car you drove here in today was made from his earth. The food you eat today is made from his earth. The clothes on your back, the shoes on your feet is made from his earth. But he says, I want to make sure you can use it. Everything belongs to God, but, but he wants us to use it. He, he, he says, here it is. I'll, I'll put you in the garden. I, I've created this garden. Uh, first day, it's good. Second day, it's good. Third, fourth, fifth, it's good. Sixth day, he created man. It's very good. Here it is, Adam. There's potential in this garden. Prune it. Keep it. Tend it. Bring out the potential in it. I'm going to give you dominion. Multiply. Be fruitful. Increase it. My earth, but here it is. Here's the third principle of stewardship. You have the responsibility to manage it in a wise manner. What God has given us, we have to manage this in a very wise manner. Can I hear an amen? Let me tell you why. Because in Matthew 25, the Lord came back to the servants and he says, I want to see what you did, what I gave you. I want you to... Take what I gave you, and I want to see what you did with what I gave you. Can I hear an amen? So if you don't get anything else this morning, I want you to think about this. We don't give to get. Yeah. 
we get to give. Because if you hear a lot of preaching on this subject, you know what it sounds like? We give to get, but no, we get to give. Because our giving is an expression of thanksgiving for God's grace and his mercy, his salvation and provision. It's an investment in the kingdom of God. So, so when we give, n- number one, we're taking on the nature of our heavenly father because God so loved that he gave. And how many of you know he is the biggest giver? So we, we don't just give to get, we get to give. Can I hear an amen? So let me just take Pastor Matt's uh, uh, beginning of this series. Listen, when you show up here, when you're present with his presence in you, it becomes a weapon to the enemy. Where two or three are gathered together, right? So just showing up is a weapon. When you take that van and pick up a child or a teenager from a community and you bring them into the youth center and someone preaches the word of God to them, that becomes a weapon against the kingdom of darkness. When you go to a classroom and our teachers are expounding the word of God and the principles of God, that classroom becomes a weapon against the kingdom of darkness. And when you and I give and we are good stewards, it becomes a weapon in the hands of God against the kingdom of darkness. Because there are billions of dollars invested in a carnal, fallen world, and you are investing in the kingdom of God. So we have to realize here that we are doing something that God wants us to do. Can I hear an amen? And our mindset about giving has to be a biblical mindset. So think about this. I don't just give, I sow. I don't just give, I sow. Because giving is sowing. You know, here uh, a few months ago, uh, we planted some wheat, and we don't harvest wheat in the really uh, exact form, but we, we plant it, and we put cattle on it to graze it through the winter. And then once we take the cattle off, we let it grow up, and we, we bell the hay off of it, and hopefully we had increase through the, the growth of the cattle. And then the hay will feed the next winter, and some of the hay, if we make a lot, will sell. And let me tell you, I'm not looking just to get back what I planted. That's a horrible sowing and reaping, right? So when I give, what am I doing? When I give, I sow. Say that with me. When I give, I sow. And if I give on good ground, it produces maybe 30, maybe 60, or maybe 100 fold. If you sow something, you get 100 times back what you sowed. How many of you know that's a pretty good deal? So if it's on good ground, he said maybe 30, maybe 60, maybe 100 fold. The second thing is God sees my giving. Luke chapter 21, Jesus is by the treasury at the temple, and everybody's casting in their money, and there's a little widow woman, and she cast in what? Two mites. Not two termites, two mites. So what's a mite? A mite is the smallest denomination of a coin in the Roman and Greek empire. So she took the smallest denomination of a coin, two of them, and she cashed in the treasury, and Jesus gathered his disciples, and he says, come here, I want you to see something. I want you to see something. Look at this woman. She put in two mites. Now, I'm sure they're thinking, okay, two mites equal a penny. She threw threw a copper in there. She threw a penny in. But what I want you to know is this. That was everything she had. 
He said, they gave out of their abundance, but she gave out of her poverty. And you can take this two ways, listen to me. She gave out of her poverty, or she gave out of her poverty. Some of you are not getting that. Sometimes you have to give your way out. You need a miracle. She gave out of her poverty, Jesus said. So the third thing we have to understand about giving, giving with the right intentions releases supernatural increase in my life. So if I give with the right intention, the right heart, something happens in the spiritual realm, it releases supernatural things in my life and your life. So if I give in the right way, right heart, right intention, then something supernatural begins to happen. Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing. You're not just blessed to bless you, but you're blessed to be a blessing. And you say, well, I'm not really for sure how that works. Luke 6, 38, given it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, it will be put into your bosom, for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. How many of you know God's shovel is bigger than your shovel? So, so he said, pressed down, shaken together, running over. So what's the running over part? Now you're able to be a blessing. Abraham, I bless you to be a blessing. Let me tell you, Ray of Hope has been blessed to be a blessing. And we bless people all over the world. We bless other churches. We bless our community. We, we, we do a lot of things. And, and, and before you, you, you get your mind going any other further, this is a spiritual precept. These are spiritual laws. The universe works by them because the master of the universe laid them down. So if you're here and you're critical, that's fine. I, I've been preaching a long, long time, thousands of sermons, and I've had a lot of critical comments. But this is a law. This is a spiritual, spiritual law. And the universe reacts to these laws because the creator of the universe laid them down. Now, so it makes no earthly sense. I, I'm, I'm going to just be upfront with you. This makes no earthly sense. How in the world can you give and be better off? Wait a minute, preacher. If I give it, I, 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 it's gone. Well, if I'm sowing, listen, if I'm sowing, you never sow taters and want to eat them tomorrow. There's, there's a time frame, right? So, so th there's a time frame here. So whatever you sow, that shall you reap. And you're going to what? You're going to reap more than you've sown. Can I hear an amen? It makes no earthly sense. But you have to understand these principles in the spiritual because the carnal man really can't get a hold of it unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. In 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, Elijah shows on the scene, we, you know, the Tishbite, I mean, he's like a meteor. He just shows up, boom. We, we have no record of him. Until then, Ahab's the king, a horrible time. Israel's serving idols. We have this young lady by the name of Jezebel who's running the show behind the leader. Uh, kind of sounds like 2022. I'm mean, hey, sorry I said that. But anyway... Uh, he, he's the figurehead. Uh, Elijah shows up and he says, it's not going to rain again until I say so. So now we have three years of drought getting ready to take place. 
Even the prophet has to go find a place of sustenance. He's going to the brook Cherith, and he's drinking water from the brook, and the, the ravens are carrying food to him. That's supernatural, isn't it? But even the prophet of God's brook dried up, and there was no food, and he said, I'm going to send you to Zarephath to a widow woman there. <laughs> God, could you send me to somebody else? What about the guy who runs McDonald's? Or Chicken Express, or, uh, yeah, somewhere good. So he goes to where God sends him, to the widow woman. She's picking up sticks, and she's getting ready to cook the last meal. She has a little bit of flour or meal left, a little bit of oil, and she even is saying to the prophet, um, hey, we're we're cooking our last meal. We're going to eat this, and we're going to die because people are dying. The rivers are drying up, the, the, the ponds are drying up, the cattle are dying, the sheep are dying. We're going to die. And he says, oh, by the way, cook me something first. Preachers. <laughs> cook me something first. And you know what? She did. She did. Now, when you look at this story, it is so supernatural because whenever she cooked him something first, The miracle was, and this is the word of the Lord through the prophet, the container of your meal, your flour, will never run dry, and the oil will never run dry. I don't know how much she took out of there, but when she went back the next day, it's still there. I don't know how much she poured out of there, but the next day it's still there. When I preached the early service this morning, we had a lot of people here. Before I got to the back of the, of the door, before I even got back to my office, I had five different people tell me story after story after story. This is what God did for me. Amen. This is what God did for me. Amen. One lady over here as I was walking back, she said, my aunt, back years ago, out in the country, hard times, barely making it, by herself, three kids at home. She had a bunch of pennies she rolled up, put, put in a container, put in the old kitchen drawer, she said every few days she would get a roll of pennies out and give to those kids, buy their lunch at school, get what they could do. And every week she just kept handing out rolls of pennies. She said, I handed out more rolls of pennies than the rolls of pennies in that drawer. I don't know what happened. That's what God does. That's what God does. Young men met me over here between the services today and and they were asked just for a favor, and he said, I, I would do that. He said, sure, while you're gone, I'll take care of things around here. And when uh, they got back, well, the, they, they const- you know, gave him some compensation for it, and he didn't ask for it. And so they said, well, we want to give you some money for taking care of this stuff. Well, no, I don't need any money. And they gave him some money, and he said, uh, did you put too many zeros on this? How do you know God? It's a supernatural God because that's who we serve and we're going by his principles. And verse 16 of chapter 17, she did according to the word of the Lord. Something happens when you obey the word. Something happens in my life when I obey the word. I may not understand it, may not see it immediately, but there's something that happens when I obey the word of God. Can I hear an Amen. Malachi chapter 3, most of you know, 8 through 11, uh, bring the tithes, the offerings of the storehouse, and he says five things will happen. Are you ready? 
What five things will happen, Pastor, if God says I'm faithful to his work? Number one, there'll be food in my house. How many of you are glad on Wednesday night? I don't care if there's two, three, or 400 people that show up there, everybody eats. Whether you have money, you don't have money, everybody eats, right? Children, teenagers, kids, if you come on Wednesday night, I'll look for you. Uh, here's the good news, six o'clock, go back there and eat. We feed everybody. How many of you are glad there's food in the house? But I don't think he's even talking about that. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. How many of you are glad that there are teachers in those rooms back there giving you food in the house? How many of you are glad from this pulpit there are many people who get up and teach and preach and there's food in the house? Not three points in a poem. I, I, I didn't get a book that says this is what you're going to preach for the rest of the year. I preached this, I said thousands of sermons over almost 50 years, and I want to tell you something, if I had any pet sermons, I got them over a long, long time ago. Now I say, oh God, is there one more sermon in this book? What do you want to tell your people today? What do I say today? What's the bread today? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. So there's food in the house, he said. Number two, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. Number three, I'll pour you out a blessing so much you will not have enough room to contain it. So was Jesus in Luke 6 picking up the, the prophetic word of Malachi? And I think, yeah, sounds a whole lot like it, right? So the living word is picking up the word that he already spoke about 700 years before. Number four, I'll rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not destroy you or your stuff. Number five, other people will see your blessing. Other people will see your blessing. That's okay. How did you get there? Well, you know, let me tell you, I serve a good God. I just serve a good God. God has helped me. He's blessed me. Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing. Other people will see your blessing. Now, here is, to me, the, 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 the drum roll for this passage. And the Lord says, now test me to see if what I said is true. I, I'm going to do all this stuff for you now. Test me to see if it's true. Boy, that's a bold statement by God, isn't it? Try me. Test me. See if this is true. Recently, I heard the story pastor told this, and I was listening, a widow who was struggling in uh, her finances, and she had some help from her family, but still was having difficulty, and one of the things she did was get a reverse mortgage. Have you seen those commercials, reverse mortgages? I, I don't know much about them. I, I know people get them, which I'm sure nothing wrong with that, but she's struggling, and so she went to the pastors on staff and ask for help, so they began to advise her, let's make out a budget, let's help you here. Um, here, here's some things you can do. And one of the things, they said, you need to start giving. Now listen, um, giving is proportional. Just like the, the lady who gave a penny, she was just as much acknowledged by Jesus as somebody who gave a lot. So, so it's not a standard thing as far as monetary, it's according to your ability, Matthew 25, right? Is that what it said? According to their ability. Some people have more ability than other people have, right? And, and so she, she's starting to give a little bit, 
And so she, she gets this notice that they're gonna reevaluate this reverse mortgage. So she didn't know if this is gonna be a bad thing, is this gonna be a good thing, uh, what is this thing? So one of the pastors on staff called the mortgage company and said, we have a little lady in our church, she's a widow, she doesn't understand what's going on. I wanna make sure this is legitimate, not a scam. So can you tell me what's happening? And the person who took the call said, we're gonna reevaluate the value of her home. How many of you know in the last few years, real estate prices have what? They've gone up. Praise the Lord, if you're selling, not so good if you're buying. But anyway, real estate prices have gone up. So this company ha has a good deal. They did the reverse mortgage when her property is less value. So in business, that's what you do. Hey, good deal, right? But this is what the person said to the pastor on staff. Said, now, now you're a preacher, you're a pastor. Uh, yeah. Well, I wouldn't tell this to anybody, but since you're a pastor, you'll probably understand this. The man who owns our company came to us and said, I had a dream the other night. Had a dream the other night. Do we have anybody on our books that we have business with by this name? And they said, yes, we do. We have a reverse mortgage by a lady that has this name. And he said, reevaluate her home. And whatever the increase is, pay her. It was $30,000. How many know God moves? God moves, but he only moves accordance with his word. See, there, there are spiritual principles that are worth, there, there are dynamics. As Matt said, you don't get from a TikTok video. You gotta get it from the word of God. Some of you are saying, I don't know what a TikTok video is. Welcome to my club. But you don't get it always on YouTube, do you? Or Facebook. Isn't it good you can get it from the Word of God? Yeah. These are what? Spiritual principles that work. So one day Jesus is going to come back and he's going to say this. Mike, what would you do with what I gave you? That's why I'm always saying, let's go forward. Because one day the master's going to say, I want to see this when I gave it to you, and I want to see it at the end. It's making me want to weep right now. What did you do with what I gave you? How many of you know there's no U-Haul behind Hearst? No pockets and shrouds. Listen, God's not against people who have money. Matter of fact, have you know a lot of the great men and women of God were very rich. But what are we going to do? He owns it all anyway, right? So the spiritual principle, the, the, the spiritual arena that you and I have stepped into when we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, now we are living in the dynamics of a spiritual kingdom, a Lord that goes by spiritual laws. When Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven, this is what it is like. And if it's like this, then God help me to be that kind of person. Can I hear an amen? Would you bow your head with me today? 
We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.